living and learning, adapting. That's just what we do. And I think that's why we're finding success because we adapt. Welcome back everybody. Rich Rieger here with Jeff Rotmeyer of Impact HK and the Love 21 Foundation. Jeff, do me a little favor. Tell me about yourself, the work that you're doing here in Hong Kong. Yeah, my name is Jeff Rotmeyer. So I'm the founder of uh, Impact Hong Kong and also Love 21 Foundation. So two different NGOs. Um, both are about a year and a half old now, uh, registered. And Impact Hong Kong is working with the homeless community and Love 21 Foundation works with the Down Syndrome and Autistic community, specifically in sport and nutrition. Okay, so you started two nonprofits at the exact same time. Um, what were you thinking? Why do you two at the same time? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people questioned me, you know, and they said, you know, Jeff, you're nuts. And they were right, definitely right on that. Um, <laughs> see, the problem was that, and it was a good problem, is that we found, we really found a way uh, to help these two communities that was not being done in Hong Kong. And we really saw, you know, with, with Down syndrome and autism, we saw how sport nutrition, mm -hmm. you know, really is key. Okay. And if you looked at the homeless community, we saw how through friendship, being the key element, we could really empower people for change. So it would have been a, a real shame to just leave one of those knowing mm -hmm. that you could really save lives. Okay. How did you get into this? Like what was your, you've been in Hong Kong for 13 years now. What, what got you into this and why did you decide to make the full jump? Yeah, early on in Hong Kong, I jumped into just doing some initiatives on my own. Uh, working with refugees, mm. asylum seekers, uh, creating a football program for them. Then that led into working with the Down syndrome community. You know, it was basically a step-by-step -step and it's just been, looking back now, it's been an incredible organic kind of wave, just piece by piece that's just taken us uh, to where we are now. Mm. Never would have imagined uh, being an NGO founder. Yeah. <laughs> if, you if you would have told me that, you know, about 10 years ago, I'd been like I probably just laughed, you know, but it really has been a step-by-step -step and that's yeah. been, yeah, it's been a beautiful experience for sure. You're about 18 months old, two and a half years as a formal organization. How'd you get started? Why did you decide to actually register charities versus work with other organizations and help them? Um, I, I originally tried uh, working with other organizations. I, I find both of those organizations that I worked with, I learned a lot and I saw how they're, they do incredible work, but I just saw how they were so limited in what they actually were shooting for. And I think with both of our charities, we kind of, we shoot for the stars. An example of that is just recently, we got an, old, an elderly lady. So I was leaving our guest room space around 11.30 p.m. And um, I saw this lady that we've been serving on the street for quite a while. I never would have imagined she was homeless. She was about, I think she's 80. Um, an 80-year-old woman, very similar to the ladies around us here. And she was just about to, to put her head down in this garden. Um, and I never knew she was sleeping there. We just assumed that she had a house. Uh, and I saw her sleeping there that the next morning I got my team, we went there, we spoke to her, and that night we got her into a hotel. Wow. So we got her into a hotel, which was about, you know, about 900, it was about like finding a place that she would, she trusted us because we'd been serving her on the street for a while. Yeah. Okay, so she knew who we were, she knew that we cared, first and foremost. Uh, we got her into that hotel, and we had her there for a, a few nights. And then in that time, we started thinking about, okay, how are we gonna make this next step? She had no ID, completely alone, no ID where her, her family is at all. 
um, it was a very difficult situation and also to tr for her as, a, as an elderly lady like that to trust us to go into a space yeah. it was difficult had to have a lift from the ground floor etc etc um, we, we put her in a hotel and we've had her in that hotel for about three weeks Wow. okay which is a very substantial amount of money yeah. you know and um, and just uh, last week we got her into a, an apartment now on a six-month uh, lease mm. and you know through Airbnb Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. And now we've got her registered, we've got her an ID, we've got her getting health checks, we've got her um, applying for social housing for the first time. Mm. And you know, if you think about that, as a charity, we acted instantly on it. Mm. You know, we got her in, got her safe, no more sleeping on the street. And I really honestly think that we would be the only charity in Hong Kong that would have done it and been successful in doing that with her. I mean, this is a lady who was a street cleaner for 20 years before, wow. you know, so yeah, I'm really proud of that. As a, as a charity, we have to keep that. Mm. You know, this is a problem. We solve the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we think about the most strategic way to solve it. And we're not afraid of, you know, no. government regulations and stuff like that so much. How did you get into this to begin with? Like, what, what was your stepping stone to even get involved in community service? How far back does it go? Is this like back when you were a kid? Is this back your mom taught you? Like, how did you get into community service? I, I did a. I worked in Vancouver, uh, where I'm from, Vancouver, Canada. In a, well, I volunteered. I volunteered for a charity. Uh, basically, I was teaching basketball okay. to youth at risk, so kids, teenagers that fell into tough, tough times, yeah. gangs, uh, drugs, alcohol, etc. And we used basketball as the connection. So instead of me going up to some teenager who's probably has trust issues, anger issues, et cetera, et cetera, and instead of me trying to force myself on that kid, like, hey, you know, listen to me, I'm your mentor. Right. Um, instead, we just played basketball together. Right. And when you do that, you know, you create a trust in a, in a you know, indirect way, and you create friendship in an indirect way. And then once you have that built, once you're friends and playing basketball together, then that opens the door to, you know, other things like yeah, yeah, yeah. possible mentorship, you know, sure. possible having good conversations and building trust, opening up friendships, etc. Um, and that's, yeah, that was my first experience. And I think, you know, that's why I really think sport. So, as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. it can often be very lonely. Um, what's the community that you draw off of to, to kind of keep yourself distracted, keep yourself focused? Oh, just, yeah, I'm blessed with a huge community mm. of, like, just constant uh, support. Okay. I, I, it's overwhelming, you know, it really can be very overwhelming because I have such uh, incredible support. So you have a community within your own organization mm. that keeps you kind of uplifted. Yeah. Um, do you have a community of other entrepreneurs, of other social entrepreneurs, of other nonprofit leaders that you're regularly meeting with to, to learn from, to, to bat ideas around, to, to complain about, whatever it may be? Like, do you have that mentor group that, from, from an organizational standpoint that you can draw, draw off of? I, I, I do. Okay. I just don't have the time to meet them. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I think that that is something that I would love to have. I, I think that'd be great, you know, because there's so many people in Hong Kong. There's a lot of, I mean, once in a while we're connected, you know, but mainly through Facebook. So then how do you learn as an entrepreneur? Like, how do you, as an individual, grow? Not just, you know, from the volunteer base, but really like, look at your organizations, learn how to take the next steps, like where are you drawing that knowledge from or where are you drawing that experience from? Just winging it. Yeah, I'm really just winging it, <laughs> you know. I think, you know, yeah, I've got a lot to learn and I'm, and I'm open to that. I think that's key. Um, I come from a teaching background. Okay. 
So I find that, you know, teachers, my teaching experience has really been a good stepping stone to what I'm doing now in managing, uh, in organizing, uh, you know, managing groups of people, yeah. you know, in planning uh, activities, in communicating well. I find that that's, those are key things that, you know, teachers have to be quite well-rounded. And yeah. I think that was a really good stepping stone for me. And I think, you know, okay. yeah, I was, but I definitely have a lot to learn for sure. It gives you a lot of patience teaching, right? I would like think so. And also resilience. Yeah, yeah. Um, true, true. Yeah. I, yeah. I, what is your proudest moment to date for Impact HK? Like, what's the moment that you're like, this is it. You did it. Well, I mean, I think, I think that first one, you just, I mean, you met the, the mother that yeah. came here uh, earlier with her son. I think that really was, that was the first family the first individuals we got off the street and it was actually in this neighborhood um, and you know when we did that you know that at that time they the husband and wife were homeless living on a footbridge they'd lost their son um, you know and and that you know when we got them into a home and then started making the steps to get the son back which was quite a process when we did that um, and now you saw the son today you saw him yeah. lively and happy and give, yeah, yeah. I mean really sweet you know, just, I think that really was the kicker, like, wow, we can actually do this. Mm. And yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't say pride in a way wasn't really what I felt. I felt excitement. I felt like this is really going to work and we need to now attack. And, you know, since then we've really attacked. That was, yeah, so that was pretty exciting. What are the three things you're doing now that will set the organization up for five years from now? I think uh, number one, uh, education. So getting into schools, I think uh, I think it's a very smart play in that number one, it's great for the future of Hong Kong. Yeah. These kids are getting so much from it. They're learning about societal issues. They're learning about the poor, how to help them rather than just point at them, yeah. rather than just feed them. Um, they're learning how friendship and empathy are important to empower people. So the education system there, getting in there is smart. So I think as a charity, that really is a big push that we want to make on an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial side to right, get right. into schools. I think it works perfectly with us. Um, taking our walks uh, on another angle, we have too many volunteers. So we that's a great problem to have, but it is a problem we need to focus on. Uh, so we need to create more opportunities, more locations, getting more walk leaders to get out on the streets even more. Um, that'll be a big side. And also, um, you know, moving our next big step will be in going into more of the counseling, uh, drug rehabilitation, sports, nutrition side. So, you know, we're going to be focused on mainly on, you know, uh, getting a, a new center, which will have a counseling room and a sports area where we can really, really uh, attack. And I think, you know, those three things really are on our radar, I would say probably within the next year. You're looking to open up a new center. That requires a significant, probably, amount of funding, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, where's that funding coming from? Like, if you look at your buckets that are going to pour in, what are the major buckets, and how do you develop that that fundraising strategy? Time, time, time is our biggest issue right now. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, you know, in, in actually making applications for, for funding, it just takes a significant amount of time that we don't have. Um, I have had great help uh, from a nice lady who's been helping us with funding um, applications. You know, we have our, our, our walks, which enable us to be quite self-sufficient in terms of our cost. Going for the big picture of getting a new center would take a big funder. Uh, I've got one 
one one uh, what do you one line out there in the sea, and hopefully it will come in. You know, I, I'm optimistic about it, but um, you know, it might not, and then we'll have to we'll have to attack bigger funding for that. And is that from a corporate, from an individual yeah. government? Like where? That would be from a corporate. Okay. Um, HSBC have sponsored our uh, existing center for two years, yeah. which was just under a million Hong Kong dollars. Okay. So that was a big one for us. Great. That was our yeah. first real big break where it gave us a real optimism to be able to, right, we're going to be good two years, we're solid. Yeah. Uh, let's now attack this next initiative of the counseling center. Yeah. Because if we can do that, if we can do that, I mean, just just to be frank, I mean, we've taken 23 people off the streets. Next week, it'll be 24. Um, 23, 24 people off the streets that are all, all doing well. We haven't had one person that has just completely uh, fallen down and is back to being homeless. So it's really working. And to be frank, you know, we're not ready. You know, we don't have our counseling program where we want it to be. We don't have our sports where we want it to be. We don't have our nutrition program and mentorship program where we want it to be. So the future for us really looks bright. If we can strengthen those systems up, yeah, we'll be solid. So is that your focus then, to strengthen all those systems yeah. before you go and eat larger? And Bef Yeah, before we go larger than we are now. Okay. Yeah. You know, before we go into the job creation aspects and stuff like that, yeah. Like right now, we have those programs. We do have a sports class every day. We do have mentorship. They're just not good enough. We want to strengthen that all up, get everything tight. Now, if you yeah. you know you got into the corporate world to say, well, you know, done is better than perfect. So, do you need the perfect curriculums? Are you happy to go and experiment? And you know, on what level are you happy to to play around with these systems until they're really ready? Yeah, that's what we're doing. You know, we're just. You know, you live and learn is what we've done here. I, I knew nothing about homelessness when I started this. Um, I knew nothing about Down syndrome and autism, mm -hmm. you know, when I started this. Um, just living and learning, adapting, that's just what we do. And I think yeah. that's why we're finding success, because we adapt. You didn't know anything about homelessness. Um, you're not from necessarily a background in this space. Mm. And you're a foreigner in a city who doesn't speak the local language. <laughs> What qualified you to start this? And, you know, what, what's what's the long-term vision for your organization? Like, are you going to try and build a local capacity? Like, how are you going to make sure this thing lives well beyond you and, and grows into that space? Yeah, those are those are great challenges. You know, um, luckily, you know, with both, I think we've because our volunteer base is so strong and so dedicated and so passionate. That's what that's what enabled me yeah. to be able to do this. Uh, okay. You know, not speaking the language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so that volunteer base, in the future, for it to be self-sustainable, it needs to be less of me and more of our systems in place. And I think we're always going to find people that want to give in Hong Kong. You're always going to find people that want to be involved and engaged in helping. Yeah. So the, the if you can create the opportunity, I, I think that will that will. F that will flow through. Um, the less that I have to play a role in Impact HK in the future, which makes me sad to say because I want to. I really love doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, for longevity's sake, you know, we have to think of ways that makes it less reliant on one person and more of a team. What's a, what's a story that you keep in your mind of of someone's like life that you want to influence or that you already have influenced? Six months ago, I met a gentleman uh, living in a garden. Uh, you know, very near our center, you know, and it was a cold, it was a, not a cold night, it was a, a wet night, and he was sleeping on cardboard, um, and he's basically covered in about like 300 mosquitoes, God. right, and this is, a, this is a park where I know there's, there's drug use, there's stealing, it's, it's, not a, it's not a safe place to be, 
and nobody would want to sleep there at all. You know, this gentleman was sad, he was alone, he had no family. Um, you know, he's just completely alone, right? Every single day, trying to survive in this garden. And this same individual, uh, in I think five days time, is going to be leaving us. He's got a full-time job working for a pizza company. Uh, he has an apartment he pays the rent for. He plays sports with us. He's eating well, he's sleeping well, he's happy. He has a, he has a good friend now that's another community helper that we have. And you know, you look at that, that's a six month period, right? And when I, when I ask, uh, you know, I ask students, because we work in schools, as I've said, you know, when I ask students, I say, well, what do you think the reason is? You know, what was the special ingredient in this that really enabled that trans transformation? Yeah. You know, these kids aren't jumping up and saying, money! You know, like, Hong Kong has a big surplus. You know, right. they're not saying that, because that makes no sense. But, you know, that that's a story of how, as a charity, we're very unique. You know, and we focus on that real love, kindness, and friendship to empower these people. And, I think that's why, as a charity, we we can keep hold of that. We can't lose that. Yeah. So that that's our niche, and we need to really attack that. What are three things that an up-and-coming entrepreneur in this space should keep in mind before getting started? I think you know one. If you want to create, a, this has been a movement, right? Like this has been a, an organic movement that started from step one. And I think number one, uh, understanding that you, in taking that first step, you don't have to hit a home run right away. You know, you you by just taking a step towards something that you're passionate about, something you care about, and then being able, to, being willing to learn, being willing to adapt, I think is a really key part uh, in creating a movement. Uh, I think the reason I was able to do it is because I had a very, very strong wingman, a very, very strong friend uh, who I could bounce ideas off of, who when I fell down, maybe I was sick or maybe I was busy, yep. he could step up. Right, right. You need that person. You cannot attack uh, a, a thing like this on your own. It just doesn't work. If you don't have that one person, uh, I think you'd really find it difficult to find success. And I know I wouldn't have been successful if I didn't have that uh, person on my side. Yeah. You know, and that person, you know, maybe that person at one point had to go and then another person stepped in. You know, So if I were to give advice, uh, that would be it. I would think you would, you know, don't be afraid to take a step to try, mm -hmm. right? And don't feel like you have to hit a home run. Yep. But then also really find somebody as a partner who's really strong that you can trust, that you can bounce ideas off of at least. And uh, yeah, I, would, I think that's probably good advice. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you.